Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Hello and welcome to the Money Nerds Podcast, where owning a calculator, budgeting your money, and having a net worth is actually cool. I'm your host, Whitney Hansen, and each week I'll be chatting with inspiring people to learn their secrets to financial success. Now let's dive into the show. I've been interested in impact investing or sustainable investing for quite some time now, but to be very honest with you, I didn't really know much about it. When I started to do research, I often felt overwhelmed and like it was really complicated. And even then, at the end of the day, I still didn't quite know how to find funds that are sustainable investments. And that's why I was so excited to have this conversation. I think there's been a ton of you that are interested in this as well. In fact, I know this because I've had some of you reach out and ask me about sustainable investing. And honestly, I didn't really have a good resource to point you to until now. So I'm really excited for this conversation. And before I dive into today's guest, I have to share a really great money win with you. This money win comes from my friend, Christy. She was a previous guest on this podcast, and she officially launched her course teaching people how to become a great Airbnb super host. I am so proud of her for taking the initiative to put this out into the world, and she's already had quite a few people sign up, so it's really exciting to see that people are going to learn how to better their finances through Airbnb. I just, I get so excited. She has legitimately taught me so much already, so I'm really stoked for her course and just wanted to shout out her money win. I'm so proud of you, Christy. Way to go. All right, let's talk a little bit about today's guest. Sarah Bengtson is an expert in ESG investing. If you don't know what ESG is, hang tight. We're going to talk about that. And the founder of Money Meets Soul, where she teaches millennials to build wealth that is sustainable for themselves and for the planet. She has previously worked in wealth management in both Switzerland and Sweden and is known for her uniquely holistic approach to money and investing, doing well by doing good. We cover a lot of ground in this episode, but here are some of the highlights. We talk about how Sarah got into financial education industry, realizing that the selfish pursuit of money was actually not fulfilling her, how sustainable investing works, what ESG funds are and why they are performing well, why the ESG label can actually be misleading, how companies sometimes use greenwashing in order to deceive the market, how you can reduce your carbon footprint by making very simple investing choices. I love this topic. I thought it was so interesting. How money is like water, first steps for making more sustainable investing choices, and the importance of understanding the companies you invest in. This is such a good episode. We cover a ton of ground, and seriously, you're going to be learning with me because uh, maybe you already know a lot about this stuff. I didn't. I feel like this is such a different topic that I have not covered, so I was 
really learning from Sarah in real time. So I hope that you forgive maybe some of my silly questions. So let's go ahead and dive into this conversation with my friend, Sarah, all about impact and sustainable investing. Hey there, Sarah, thank you so much for joining all the way from Sweden. It's an honor to chat with you. I'm so happy to be here. I am so stoked. (laughs) Yeah, likewise. So we met through Instagram, which I love everything you're doing on Instagram. So you are helping people understand this really crazy, complex investing situation so people can better their lives. How the heck did you start getting interested into the financial education space? Well, if we take a huge step back, I mean, I've been working in the financial industry pretty much my entire career, and I did that for a pretty selfish reason. Like, I wanted to make money. Um, I wanted to help people, and I wanted to make money. And then when you got into the industry, you start, like, going through the university journey and then working your way up. Uh, I kind of lost that part of, you know, helping people. And I, I was in this cycle of, you know, extravagantly spending by traveling, you know, all the designer handbags. And as I was doing that, and I was doing better and better at work, got promotions, switched jobs, I also realized that, you know, I was getting more and more anxiety. Mm-hmm. So I was getting more and more unhappy while, while I was ticking all the boxes that I thought that I, was, I had to tick. Because those boxes were never mine. They were what I thought I should do. I think if we all have all these kind of shoulds in our lives of what we think the world should look like what we should do and you don't want to disappoint the people around you or whatever and I was I was definitely stuck in all of that and um, it got to a point where I was so crippled by this anxiety that I couldn't even leave my apartment I ended up just sitting watching Netflix all day every day because I couldn't leave because there was so much unhappiness within me but Along that line, I actually went to India because I've always been interested in yoga. And I remember lying there on the beach at this yoga retreat and all of these shoulds just disappeared out the window. And I was like, but what do I want to do? And then the, the part of helping people came back. And just when I came back to Sweden, then after this yoga trip, sustainable investing started becoming a thing. So And that is when I started to realize that, okay, we can actually make a difference in the world through how we kind of fuel and spend our money through the world. I I can probably say that in a better world, better way though, but uh, how we kind of, um, you know, invest can change the world. And that's what sustainable investing is. And that's when I started working with it. But when I did, uh, I I spent my time talking to all these men in suits who were always telling me, well, we don't care about that. You know, sustainable investing is just a hippie niche thing that no one wants to touch. We just care about performance. And now we can say that, I mean, for the past three, four years, the most sustainable companies in the world are beating their peers on the stock market by far. And especially during 2020, this sustainable investing trend, or ESG, as we called it in the finance circles, it became mainstream. Everyone talked about it. Everyone wanted to invest in it. And now we can see how it's definitely growing into the retail space as well. So I'm super excited about that. I, I think it's a great opportunity, too. And I know I receive a lot of questions from people asking about how do I officially start investing in sustainable companies or for for purpose companies, I should say, too. And I, I think there's a huge gap between 
knowing how to invest in these companies and understanding what you're investing in and even just like finding where to put your money. So for people that are just getting started with sustainable investing, how does this work? Is this individual stocks? Is it a fund? Like give us some context there. Yeah, well, let's start with, you know, what is sustainable investing at all? And uh, to do that, we need to talk about investing because what investing is when you invest in a stock, you buy a part of that company, right? Stocks are just companies. It's not, we like to think of it as we're sending our money away into a far off country with numbers and graphs that we don't understand <laughs> the language of. But, but what investing in this, in this essence is, is to buy companies. And um, these companies, you become part owner of them and they use your money to grow their business. And that's how they make you money. It's, they make you money through growing their sales, to expanding their business. Well, it's what it's been throughout you know, the last century at least. And I would say that the term investing means you know, something that is growing in value over the long run. Mm. So then why is it that we invest in you know, our banks or our pensions that we're going to keep for like 40, 50 years in fossil fuel companies that are actively jeopardizing the future that we are saving too? That doesn't make any sense. I think so, a lot of people agree too. <laughs> I really do. But they don't, they're like, but how? But what do I do? <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. I mean, we can look at it from two perspectives. Obviously, the, I think the main um, kind of hurdle today is that it's a huge alphabet soup. Yeah. We just talked about that before. But the financial industry, they love using weird names for everything, everything that comes to investing because that makes it easier for them to charge you for it just to start there. But when it comes to sustainable investing, we have terms like SRI, ESG, ethical, impact, sustainable, um, I mean, low carbon, carbon neutral, net zero, all of these words that mean different things. I would want to say that, oh, they all mean the same, but they don't because there's no standardized rules or system for what is sustainable. Mm. So what I think is sustainable is not the same as you think is sustainable mm-hmm. because we have different values. So it, it's more typically when we look at investing, we look at risk and reward. That's the, one of the biggest main factors of investing. But when we look at, we add a sustainable factor, that's the impact. So what kind of impact has this investment on the ecosystem around it? And you can do it through the most common one today is ESG. And that stands for these three factors, environmental, social, and governance. Now, obviously, the E, the environmental part, that's something we talk about a lot because we see it when it comes to, you know, all things climate change and, you know, saving our planet, plastic pollution, deforestation. Uh, It's very big. But the other two parts, social and governance, they're equally important for the long-term benefit of our communities and for our planet. So the social part is um, more about, you know, how the companies are treating their employees. If there's any human rights violations or if they're paying their employees fairly, as well as, you know, the communities that they're working within. And then the G is about the management. So if there's any corruption scandals, bribery, if -hmm. there's any, uh, you know, transparency issues, data security, but also if they're paying their executives fairly, which is something we can talk a lot about as well. So those are the three factors. And 
then the big rating institutions are rating companies based on these three. And then uh, they give them certain scores. But they don't score the same, depending if you look at Sustainalytics, for example, or S&P Global. They rate companies often differently because sustainability is not objectively right or wrong. It's very subjective as we look at it today. So that's an issue for sure. But if we look at funds, if we want to just, I mean, the average investor look at funds, right? right. And um, we can see that the normal ones, the ESG, those are the ones who, who take an index, a normal index, like, like an S&P 500 index. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's an interesting point as well, because today when we talk about investing, there's a lot of people who just talk about passive investing, like the ETFs yeah, totally. and index investing and they say you know it's so good you get a little bit of everything but what they don't tell you is that you get a little bit of everything Mm. so you do invest in you know companies that are involved with human rights violations or indigenous rights violations with the oil and thermal coal and you know actively destroying the planet Uh, they don't tell you that so when we add these ESG layers on top of those kinds of index, like an S&P 500 fund, uh, index fund, um, they take away the bad guys. So they say, okay, the ones that score maybe the bottom 25% of the S&P 500 on these ESG scores, we're going to just lift them out of the fund. So oh. we don't get the impact there, but we get rid of the bad ones. This is so cool. I, I'm I'm so excited to learn this from you because I'm a newbie to all of this world. And it's something that is so interesting to me. So you're talking about these ESG funds and how they actually are performing better. I think a lot of people might be skeptical because they might assume that they don't perform as well. What are they typically performing like if we're looking at ESGs as, as a whole? Well, you know, ESG, it's the same with all kinds of investments. There are good ones and there are bad ones. And we have an issue now during 2020, I think it was over 250 funds that changed, rebranded from normal funds to ESG funds. So we need more standards to be able to say, okay, this this is real or this is greenwashing. Because greenwashing is something that happens all over the sustainability cycles, even in the financial world. So, um. But I would say if we just look, there are overperforming depending on, I mean, if you just look at the indexes, I think it was, I mean, five or six percent more during 2020. uh, But it all depends, of course, what you're uh, aiming for. So we have this part, like I just told you about the exclusion or negative screening that we call them. This is the most common one when we add those filters. But then we have the ones that are doing the opposite. So they take the 25 percent of the highest scores and they say, we're only going to invest in them. So those are you know, the best in class instead. But it, it's pretty difficult for us to kind of understand what they mean. So you really have to read the, the summary of the, of the fund to understand what it is you're investing in. Can you talk a little bit more about greenwashing? Yeah, of course. So one thing that people don't think about is that, for example, if... if I invest in ESG fund. You assume that you're investing to save the planet, right? Mm-hmm. You, you assume that you're taking out oil, all the oil companies, for example, because totally. fossil fuels are the not, responsible for 90% of global emissions. So they would definitely be, be a target there. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
But what we don't think about is that, okay, so yeah, BP oil, for example, they score really low on environment, on the E. But they score really high on both S and G because they, they pair their employees fairly and they have a really good corporate governance. So that means that a lot of the ESG funds, they, they still keep companies, oil companies like BP in their portfolios, not because of the E, but because of the S and G. But then they don't say that. So it, it's all about, you know, when you label something green, you know, what does that actually mean? And I know that I, I talk with a lot of sustainability sustainability advocates, especially over social media. And it's a big thing where companies like H&M, for example, where they say you know, it's a fast fashion industry and there's a lot of um, bad working conditions and, you know, pollution, what they're doing for the planet with the fast fashion at all. And um, then they're like, oh, we have one conscious line of clothing. Right, right. <laughs> oh, OK. So that is equal then. I don't know. Yeah, uh, that's it's crazy. <laughs> and we saw that now during Earth Day, there was a lot of uh, corporations. For example, my favorite way is to look at the banks. So right now, the banks are talking about going green, right? They talk yes. about being responsible and doing what they should do for the planet. We are. We want to be the, you know, the the front runners of the sustainable investment movement and whatever. They claim this, and then they. St- Still uh, invested, I think it was 750 billion US dollars into fossil fuels investment in 2020. Oh my gosh. That doesn't make any sense. No, that's crazy. And I think what a lot of people of us don't know is that, you know, when you keep money on your bank account, like on your savings account, like your fully funded emergency fund, for example, mm-hmm. um, the, the bank doesn't just leave it there, you know? Right they use that money to make money. So they use that money to invest in other things. And typically it is the fossil fuels industry. And just as an example, I mean, if you want to cut your carbon footprint, let's say that that's a goal of yours. Okay. Just changing your money from a world index fund or from having it on your savings account to a fossil fuel free fund uh, you cut your emissions by 1.8 tons of CO2 per year. Oh, wow. I mean, if you change your car from an you know, average petrol car to an electric vehicle or an, you know, a Tesla, you cut it by 1.2. Mm. So it's a huge difference. That is so wild. I'm just like wrapping my head around all this. So for for you, where do you, you mentioned like reading through banks and companies reports to really get a better picture of how that money is being invested in, in all of that kind of stuff. Is there any resources that you often go to, to help you understand the ins and outs? Like, is there like a hub, a central place to go? I wish I could say that it was, um, but I think there's a lot of companies that are doing uh, good work. So for example, Bloomberg Green is something that I read a lot, but it, it's the same way that it, it's not really translated for the you know average person there's a huge gap between uh, the investment world and the people who are investing their pensions they're using all these words and there's a lot of uh, a big knowledge gap still even though investing has never been as accessible for the average person as it is today so i work a lot with just translating what are they saying in their statements to make it make sense for everyone you know mm, makes sense 
When did you talk, talk to us about your website? When did you start that? And how do people go there? What can they expect to find? I think you've got a lot of really great resources and even some really good courses and freebies on there that I think people will really love. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah. So, I mean, for me, it's, it's twofold. The first one is that I think that we fundamentally have to change the way we think and act around money. Um, because there's, it's so fascinating to me that as soon as we talk about money, we lose all these sense of, you know, value and worth and friendships and compassion and love that we have in every other aspect of life. And we become so grumpy and competitive and greedy. I mean, it's a huge disconnection from ourselves. And, and as long as we're keeping our money disconnected from who we are, since money is power, we're also keeping ourselves separated from our power. Mm-hmm. And we have so much power. I mean, the way, especially we millennials right now, we're, we're in the process of inheriting the wealth of the world. So the way we use our money, we have the power to change the world. So, I mean, we, we need more money in the hands of good people. And that's where sustainable investing come in because, you know, you can't save your way to wealth, right? You have to invest. Um, and I, I love that you mentioned that too, because it, it's not one or the other. It's you can make a great return and still put your money into your values and the things that are truly important to you and the environment. And I mean, whatever the heck you value, I think that's the cool thing is it's not one or the other. You can actually do both. And I love your message too. Exactly. I mean, it, it's not just clean tech. It, it's about, you know, every company's long-term impact on the planet. Yeah, for sure. What types of, talk to us about your courses. How do you work with people individually and in maybe even a group setting? Yeah, so right now I'm developing actually two programs because I've been working with people one-on-one because the way I work with money is very different from how it's been worked in in normal. So I had to try it out on people first. But right now I can see that, you know, one student that I work with, I started working with him in August and he bought his first investment property in uh, now in March. So oh. just to reframe, you know, how we use our money, because um, it, it easily becomes very restrictive and we project a lot of things onto money that has nothing to do with money itself. Right. So we need to kind of embrace uh, the, the, the beauty of money, if you can put it in that way. I mean, Lynn Twist, I don't know if you've read her book, The Soul of Money, but she talks about money as it's water. And I love that analogy because she talks about it as, you know, um, you choose how it, how it works for you. But if you let it flow, then it, it makes things green. It nurtures, it purifies, it cleans, it heals. But as long as soon as you start to hoard it, if you, you know, want to keep it for yourself, that's when it becomes toxic for the person who holds it. Mm. And I mean, you know, you love hiking as much as I do. So, you know, when, when you get to a point, a water source and the water is not flowing, you know, you shouldn't drink that. It's poison. <laughs> exactly. So it, it's the same, it's the same way there. And so I work a lot about, you know, we need more money in the hands of good people. And the good people are typically the people who have a lot of fear and anxiety around money because of how society has been has taught us to talk about money. So I work a lot with that as well um, so that you can connect your money to your values through all the levels of, you know, your financial life, which investing is one of the the main thing. And I always say investing should be your first side hustle because it's the easiest thing you will ever do. 
Oh, It'll I take love some this. time at the beginning, but it's, it's the best thing you can do for yourself is just start to invest as soon as possible. So I, I work with group coaching uh, programs live, but right now I'm trying to develop them into, into online courses because I want to make it as accessible as possible for, for people because I work with a lot of people who no, maybe work for NGOs. They 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 they're eco warriors. They're sustainability champions, and they want to make the world a better place. And I want to be the tool the tool for that as well. And and then I have a membership, which is um, you know monthly masterclasses where we talk about these kind of soulful topics. And in May we're going to talk about you know sustainable investing one on one. But last last one was game changing. Your your money is the change agent kind of topics. Oh, love. This so, is yeah. so cool. It's a huge, deep passion of mine to to talk about money in this sense because I, I can see, having worked in the industry for so long, I've seen how, especially the big investment funds, for example, how they they influence companies to change their way. Totally. So when you when you decide to not invest in fossil fuels or tobacco or weapons, whatever it might be that aligns with you. Uh, and you let that money speak for you, you know, it's just the best way that you sh- can show the world what you value and mm-hmm. it will make a difference. How do you, how do you recommend somebody get started with this? Is it as simple as writing a list of things that are really important to you and things that you would rather not put your money into? Is that where you begin and then do the research or how do you approach this? First of all, the very first thing we do is to Google your bank's name and fossil fuel investment. Mm, Okay. So wherever you have your money today, just check how much are they investing in fossil fuels. So that would mean that if they are, they're investing your money on your bank account. So you might want to consider just switching accounts to something else. And there's, I have the best tools on my Instagram, which I love to recommend like Aspiration Bank in the U.S., for example, um, and I think there's a couple of other ones that are, you know, uh, committing to not invest your funds into into fossil fuels, for example. So that would be the number one first thing to do. And the second one that I always say, because, you know, it's always the big change is, okay, where do I start? Yeah. And um, just as an example, if you want to make your, uh, your portfolio a bit more carbon neutral just look for the word the acronym esg when you invest so for example if you look at vanguard vanguard has an s&p 500 index fund they also have an s&p 500 esg index what i did not know this um, and it's just you know if you look for the letters esg that's what you find but like i said ESG might mean different things for different institutes, and that's something to to remember. But even if you only, uh, you might not get all of them, you will still get the baddest guys if you want to put it that way. That's amazing. And so once we, so it sounds like are most of the investing platforms of Fidelity, Charles Schwab, Vanguard, are most of these offering ESG funds? Yes, they are. And it's important that we, we know that, you know, when we talk about, we don't talk just about clean tech. We don't just, because that's what happened during 2020. Everyone saw Tesla and they were like, oh, this is CSG. And now yes. it's going to become a thing. But uh, it's so much more than that. So um, I think that the normal S&P 500 uh, index has obviously 500 uh, 
holdings because it's 500 companies, but the ESG one only has around uh, 300. So that means we're cutting out two-fifths of, of the companies just by investing in ESG. And um, we see now that they are actually performing better as well on the stock market. That's amazing. Do you have any insights into why that might be that they're performing better, especially right now? Is there something that's going on that maybe we're not aware of? Well, you know, investing in the stock market, it's really about what people, you know, the supply and demand. Yeah. Uh, so the price depends on that. And we see, we know that the world is turning green right now. We have to make this transition. And when we see, for example, the the, e, the EU and the US, like the, the Biden a package that came out uh, not too long ago. The EU are making huge investment in solar and in wind power. It that's just states to the world. Okay, we are going to change, and that is essentially what the entire hype is is about. Is it's changing the world, and as we can see, I mean, millennials today, we are really good at aligning our values with our with ourselves, especially where we work. Totally. Just there's a lot of uh, research out there now that says that millennials, 80% of millennials, um, will cut, take a pay cut just to work for a company that aligns with their values or will actively research the values of a company um, before they make a decision. Um, we need to take the same approach when it comes to our money. That is wild. I didn't realize that stat. That's super, super good to hear, though. I think it's it's awesome to see that people are starting to see a different perspective. And historically, I, I think it felt like, I know the message always felt like you have to invest in companies that maybe you don't agree with and might be not doing so many great things, but they perform well. And you have to do that in order to retire. But I love this whole like message of you don't need to, you, you can still do good on both levels. I'm curious for you too, does this expand into your daily life? Like, have you, since you've been interested in sustainable investing, has this made you extra careful about how you even spend your your dollars in, in a normal situation? I think for many people, it starts there. I think it yeah. starts with our spending. And that's also one of the reasons why, you know, spending will show the companies what you value. So that makes a huge difference. True. But And that's also why you need more money if you want to vote in that way. So that's why you need to invest yep. so that you can have more money to spend on the things that you, you care about and the difference that you want to see. But yeah, I, it, for me, it, um, I live that through every area of my life. But we also have to understand, you have to make a trade-off. I think we live in this perfectionist world that where you, know, you, can, you cannot say that you like sustainability or you try to live a sustainable lifetime if you take one flight per year. Mm, right. And I think that's so detrimental for the whole sustainability movement. It's not about everyone um, doing things perfectly because then no one is going to make a change. It's about everyone doing this imperfectly. And that's why I place so much value on just changing your money. Because when we talk about cutting your carbon footprint, I, you know, we talk about cutting air travel, reducing your water, maybe shower, shower less or eating less meat. But just moving your pensions away from fossil fuels investments, mm-hmm. that will make, that will have a 20, 27 times bigger impact or more of an impact wow. uh, on the world. That's so, so crazy. Well, and then all of those for them together, of course. Right. So <laughs> I love that. I think it, it's so interesting to, to give you a like, personal example. When a couple of years ago, I started to research 
more about the fashion industry and was pretty sad about it. I mean, it's pretty heartbreaking. Once you dig into it, you immediately see the problems. And so I started to make a very small shift. I said, okay, instead, what I'm going to do is I'm not going to switch everything yet, but I'm going to be more cognizant of thrift shopping and reusing items. And then I'm also going to start slowly switching all of my shoes into something that's a more a sustainable company that pays people a good living wage, has a good working environment. And so I did a lot of research and just slowly switched all of my shoes into a more ethical company. And I loved it. It was like the smallest step, but it, it really did make a big impact. And I think it, it's something we could all do is just maybe choose one area and start to shift things around. Definitely. And I think I mean, my approach to to clothing is just that I I don't buy anything that I don't absolutely love. Yes. So smart. (laughs) So smart. (laughs) So if I don't feel this, you know, this spark of joy that Marie Kondo talks about, if I don't feel that, then I don't buy it. And that saved me both a lot of money, but also I know the impact on the planet. Because otherwise, if you buy it and then you don't use it, you throw it away, that's what we don't want, right? Right. When it comes to, like, sustainability and investing – do you recommend people immediately switch all of their portfolio into more sustainable or ESGs? Or is this something where it's like, just be more cognizant and start putting your money into those from here forward? How do you recommend people approach that? Well, if you go out and you're going to, and you tell yourself, oh, I'm going to change everything right now. Yeah. Um, when it comes to investing in general, what I work with with my students is more to work with investing from a place of inspiration and not motivation. Because inspiration is long-term. That's what kind of drives everything you do in life. And motivation is short-term. It, get, it, gets, you, it gets you like from point A to point B. But if it becomes too much, you, you stop and you just don't do anything. Because it's very short-lived. And it typically comes from external factors. Like listening to this podcast, for example. Yeah. So and what you have to do is kind of just start to anchor, first of all, your money with your values. That's the first thing you have to do in your spending. And then you pick, uh, I don't know what kind of uh, fund structure that you typically recommend that people use when they invest. But I mean, there's a, it's a, there's a lot of different ones to look, uh, to look at. But if you only invest in S&P 500 fund, yeah, then it's very easy for you to change. But if you have, I don't know, 20 different ones, you probably shouldn't. You should have around three to seven to have a well-diversified portfolio. And I would probably say add a few stocks that you'll find exciting because that that will make it more fun for you uh, when you invest. And that will help you with the the inspiration because when you can follow a few companies, so my biggest companies or my top three that I love and I, you know, will probably never sell, they're not clean tech. They're companies that Etsy, for example, that are Mm -hmm. A super value-driven company started like an artist, um, you know, uh, anarchist collective, and now there's a, it's it's on the stock market and do real well, but still it's de- really democratizing, you know, e-commerce because it's all small businesses, and they're really taking care of these small businesses, and PayPal also doing huge things for the world and just financial accessibility. Those are the things that I value. You have to f- figure out what you value and then find a few companies and then you can look at funds. What funds are owning these companies? Because those will, those will probably align with you as well. That's really good advice. I appreciate you sharing that. Is there anything we didn't touch on with sustainable investing that you think is worth noting for people that are maybe just getting started in this world? 
I would say there's a hundred companies that are responsible for over 70% of the global emissions. A hundred companies. Wow. So what you can do there is don't buy from them, don't work for them, and don't invest in them. If there's only one thing you do or three things you do, then do that. That's so crazy to hear too. A hundred companies is not that many. That's really wild. Yeah. And those CEOs and executives, they're literally responsible for life and death on the planet. Man, you have given me a lot to ponder, my friend, <laughs> like way more than I bargained for. I think this is really great. <laughs> it's given me a good starting place, though. I think that's the thing is I didn't know the language to use when researching sustainable investing. Like I had no idea. And so now that I know about ESGs and how to find those, I think as an investor, it's a lot easier now to make better decisions that are more in line with my personal values. So I am grateful that you took the time to break all this down. Oh, definitely. It's been a lot of fun. I mean, that that's a trick, right? It's, it's really difficult to, to know where to start because the terminology is not the same as you might want or would have guessed. Not at all. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> like Even just when you were breaking down the different ESGs and what each of those means, I didn't even realize that a company could be terrible on the E but great on S&G and still be considered that. Like, who knew? This is so wild. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think that if we just look ahead, like maybe two or three years, there will be standardized system for this. So a lot of these ESG factors are self-reported from companies. And then you kind of have to put a lot of trust in those companies. And I mean, statistics shows that three out of four Americans don't trust executives to make moral decisions. So, mm. True. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. So Sarah, where do, where do people go to learn more about your programs? Like what is it? Website, Instagram, where would you like people to, to go to, to learn more? So I'm money meets soul on pretty much every platform. And my go-to is Instagram. Maybe it's because I'm a millennial. I'm not on TikTok yet, but <laughs> what we'll you're not yet. <laughs> we'll see if I get there. There's a lot to start a, a, an account <laughs> on Instagram to begin with, but yeah. it's, you know, the, the, the introverted Swede is trying to, to be social, but <laughs> <laughs> you're doing good though. I love your Instagram. It's really great. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm trying to keep it as informative as, as, uh, as possible and trying to break down what sustainable investments actually is. So that's where you will find me. And I, I do have a, a freebie right now on my website where I list my top sustainable funds, both in the U.S. and in Europe, because I know how difficult it is to find the ones that align with you. So mm -hmm. it's just a, a free list with the, the 10 best ones. In, in my opinion, this is very subjective, of course, in my opinion, in the U.S., and also a suggestion on how to, to put them together in a, in a portfolio. Uh, obviously not financial advice, but it, it's just as a guide. Yeah, it's a good starting point, though. I think people can use that to at least base some of their research and know where to look. I think that's the important piece. Definitely. I agree. And how do they get their hands on this freebie? It's going to be linked in the show notes. And so people can easily click on that and start to go through and download, too. Awesome. Yeah, I think that that's probably super helpful. Awesome. Sarah, before we officially part ways, are you down for some rapid fire questions? Yes, I am. All right. Okay. This is going to be a good one because I know you're very intentional with your purchases. So what is one purchase you recently made that has made your life better? Well, 
Well, this is definitely me living my values. But the first one that comes to mind here is I bought a new pair of hiking boots and I bought them on Facebook Marketplace. Oh, how much? Like, I think I paid like 50 bucks for them. And it's Timberland. But it was Dang. just from a neighbor around here. And I needed a new pair. So you know, I, I always try to scour there if, I, if there's anyone who sells what I need uh, before I buy it elsewhere. Love that. That's exciting. Yeah, that'll be great for all your hiking adventures this summer. Yes, hopefully. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Awesome. Okay, next question for you. Are, well, okay, are you more of a morning routine or evening routine pers- person? Morning routine for sure. All right. What's your current morning routine? So, uh, well, it's pretty simple, actually. It's, it's breath work, meditation, reading and journaling and then I finish it off with a forest walk do you want me to be more specific oh my gosh this is so good (laughs) yes go into more detail this sounds heavenly so breath work uh, has been one of my favorite ways um, to heal anxiety and to kind of align and ground in the morning and then I I do a meditation after that um, typically together but then I pretty much make a smoothie and then I sit down and read uh, in front of my infrared light just to get the blood flowing. Uh, right now I'm reading, I'm always trying to read some kind of personal development in the morning because mm-hmm. that gets me in the right uh, in the right mindset. And then I have all my business books for the afternoon instead because I want to I start inwards. Um, and then I journal my thoughts on what I read because I've, I've found journaling to be very, maybe that's the perfectionist in me, but I've found journaling kind of difficult to embrace. Mm. Because I'm like, I, 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 why would I think that my thoughts are so interesting when I've been sleeping and just to write everything? So I, I like to reflect on things that I read instead through my journaling, just to make, take the edge of that. And then I go for a long forest walk before I sit down by my computer. That is so beautiful. I love that so much. Well, I, that's why I want to save the planet. I live my life so close, connected to, to nature. So yeah. it means a lot to me. That's amazing. That is so, so great. Um, next question for you. Where is one location? We're going to pretend it's post pandemic. Where's one location you're dying to travel to? Honestly, Minnesota, Lake Superior. It's uh, one of the places where my boyfriend from Minnesota, he took me there on our first date up to Lake oh. Superior. And oh, I just love that place. The entire, it's just a ma- it's just magical. It's, it's wild in the, in the essence of what wild means. So I would definitely want to go there as soon as that possible. That is so cool. That was your first date? Uh, yeah, well, one of our first dates. Obviously, I was in Sweden. He was in America. So it was a little bit of a travel. But Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> good, good first date. That would like win me over too immediately. <laughs> Take me in nature oh. and I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> definitely a good first date. Yeah, kudos to him. Oh, that's so cool. Okay, last question for you. In your opinion, what is the secret to financial success? Knowing what you want or figuring out what you want. I think that that's where a lot of us get stumped. Or they do, they do like what I did, like um, checking off all the things that you think that you'd want and then they feel miserable because it's not enough. Um, so it's it's just about, you know, what do you love? How do you want to live your life? It's, there's no standards. Just, just don't care about some, don't care about what everyone else is saying. I think that's the number one. 
That is a beautiful answer, my friend. It was so much fun chatting with you and learning from you. Thank you so, so much for your time. I learned so much in this episode. I appreciate it. It's been so much fun with me. I love chatting with you. Likewise. You're welcome to come back anytime. And when you're officially in the U.S. again, get in touch and we'll go hiking. Yes, I'd love that. Me too. Thank you again for your time. I appreciate it. Yeah, me too. Have an awesome day. Okay, what'd you think? This was such an interesting episode to me. I learned a ton, but more than anything, I learned why I was feeling so confused anytime I looked up sustainable investing. It makes sense because sometimes there's companies that you think are sustainable and maybe fit some of that, like she said, sometimes can fit the ES, but maybe not the G or vice versa. That is so confusing. And so what this has really shown me is the importance of some standards and some industry research and data around this a little bit more regulation, perhaps. But I'd love to hear your feedback. What were your takeaways from this episode? What were your thoughts? Share these with me on Instagram. You can tag me at Whitney underscore Hanson underscore co. I'd love to connect with you, see what you thought of this episode. And more than anything, see who else is interested in investing for good. So if that's you, come say hi to me on Insta. All right, guys, that's it for today. I'll see you on Friday for Five Tip Friday or next week for another episode of the Money Nerds Podcast. Bye. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.